Exodus chapter 33, Moses is on the mountain, and uh, he wants to see the Lord's glory, and the Lord tells him what he'll do, that's in Exodus 33, in verse 19, and he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. I'll proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. We'll be gracious to whom I will be gracious. will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. This evening what I, uh, I'd like for you to think about is the goodness of the Lord. Uh, it, it's very hard to deal with God's goodness, but I want to get your mind stirred up and get you thinking about how good God has been, how good he is, and how good he's been to us. Moses here wants to see the Lord's glory. And what does the Lord say his glory is in this text? He says, I'll make my goodness pass before you. It'll do us all good to consider how, how good God has been to us. Think about it this evening. Uh, the Lord made his goodness pass before Moses. And so the question I'll ask to you this evening is, who is God? And one of God's attributes is He's good. He's full of goodness. I want you to think about this. If the Lord's going to make His goodness pass before Moses, if He's going to hide Moses in the cleft of the rock, he can't, Moses can't see the Lord's face and live. The Lord said, I'll let you see the back parts of me. And what Moses saw made him glow for three days. And the people said, you're, too, you're shining too bright. We want to cover you up with a veil. And that's what Moses had to do. What was it that made Moses glow? It was God's goodness. So think about God's goodness to you this evening. Just in what the scripture says, I'll not run you through all the scripture because there are way too many to talk about God's goodness. But I'll give you just a few to think on. God is good, then here's what it says in his word. The earth is full of his goodness. He crowns the year with his goodness. The Lord said himself in Exodus chapter 34 and verse 6, one of the things the Lord said as he passed by Moses is, he's abundant in goodness. You'll see that Exodus 34 and verse 6. He's abundant in in goodness, He's got plenty of goodness. You'll not exhaust Him being good to you. The Lord Himself said, He is good. In Psalm 52, it says, The goodness of the Lord endureth continually. It'll never run out. It's continual. The Lord made His goodness to pass before Moses... According to his word, he lays up goodness for those that fear him. Uh, he prepares goodness for the poor, Psalm 68 says. In Psalm 107, it says he satisfies the longing soul and he fills the hungry soul with his goodness. And the right reply to that in Psalm 107 is, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful words. To the children of men, if you see correctly how good God is, it'll make you worship him. 
and say, thank you, Lord, for all you've done for me. Uh, you'll never run short on thanking the Lord. There's plenty to thank him for. And my mind started running today, and I got to thinking. You know why we don't say thank you, Lord, for a lot of what we have today? Because we don't really need God. We don't really need him as our forefathers did. We've got technology on our side today. And when we start to realize how much we really need the Lord, well, we'd be more appreciative for what we got. I was thinking today, we don't really need the Lord for light today because we can flip a switch and turn on the light. But our forefathers had coal oil lanterns and they needed the Lord to let the sun come up. And the scriptures say that the Lord makes the sun come up every day. And his mercies are new every morning when you see the sun come up. David said the sun comes out uh, out of the tabernacle that God's prepared as a strong man to run a race. We need light in this world. And God is the one who made the light. When God made it, he said it's good in Genesis 1. And uh, so everything that is, is beneficial to life in this earth, God made and we need him to let the sun come up. We got artificial light today, but it sure don't top what God made. God's good, and we need the light from God. Whenever rain comes, as it did today, that's God being kind to this earth and softening up the ground. You know what we need? Showers of mercy to tender your heart and mind to where we can get a hold of God. That's what we need. The kindness of God waters the earth. When, uh, when our forefathers saw the lightning, they said, according to God's word, that's the arrows of the Almighty. God's sending forth the arrows to take care of the problem makers in this world. Not anymore. The Tesla ball can create its own lightning when you touch it. But it don't have the effect that God's does. When our forefathers heard the thunder, they said, that's the voice of God. Did you hear the thunder today? I did. Bible says that's God speaking. Did you think about that when you heard it today? Nahum chapter 1 said the clouds are the dust of his feet. That means that God's been around when the clouds are out. There are clouds out right now. Take a note of it when you walk out the doors this evening. That means God's been passing by. See, our forefathers understood that. We don't get a hold of that much today. God's word also tells us his goodness causes people to approach unto him. That's Psalm 60, 65. And uh, when the Lord does come by, it satisfies the saints. That's Jeremiah 31. It also makes, when the Lord's around and he's being good to people, it makes the saints joyful and glad of heart, 1 Kings tells us. It clothes God's people with salvation, 2 Chronicles chapter 6 says. And it makes the saints abundantly utter the memory of his great goodness and sing of the Lord's righteousness, Psalm 145 says. Uh, it's a, God's goodness is a fruit of the Spirit. If you've been plugged into Him, if the Holy Ghost lives within you, that's a fruit that He produces, is goodness. Do you know why? Because God is good, His people 
reflect the same. God, if you want to look at him as the sun, the moon reflects the light it gets from the sun. And that's the way the church is. She reflects the sun. The sun is good, and we are to reflect that. According to the Bible, in Galatians chapter 2, that's a fruit of the Spirit. And in Ephesians 5, that fruit is coupled with righteousness and truth. Goodness, righteousness, and truth all go hand in hand. What did David have to say about the Lord and his goodness? Well, here's what he said in 2 Samuel. He said, Thou hast promised goodness to thy servant. And then he said, Remember thou me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. He also said, The Lord is my goodness. There's no good in me. He's my goodness. If there's any good in me, it's only him, not me. The Lord is my goodness. He's my fortress. He is my high tower and my deliverer. He's my shield in whom I trust, Psalm 144 says. David, even in the days of darkness and in troublous times in David's life, here's what he had to say. He said, I'd fainted unless I'd believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Do you know what keeps me going? God's goodness. When I see his goodness, I may be downcast. I may be having a hard day. I may not understand much going on in my life, but God's good. And when I see that, boy, it revives my spirit. And I would have fainted if God hadn't been good to me. Oh, thank God for his goodness. It keeps my motor running. I'd have done pootered out a long time ago if not for the Lord. But he's been good to me, and he revives my soul. And I would have fainted had not been for him being good to me. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. Who are men? What is man that God's mindful of him? He made Adam. He was a perfect man. But he's not being good to Adam. He's being good to sons of Adam. Fallen men, wicked, worthless, vile sinners whose only thought is evil continually. And yet God's good to those kind. Oh, look how good God is. David said, I would have fainted unless I'd believed to see. Not see to believe, believe to see. Faith is what you need. Sight is not faith. Faith will help you see, though. David said, I needed faith, and as since he gave it to me, how did he give it to me? By being good to me. God's been good to me, and I see it, and I understand it, and therefore I see what God's got going on in my life. I may not have it all figured out, but this much I know, God is good to me, and that helps me go on. David he also said, when I recount these things and I look at who my shepherd is, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I look at who is on my trail. God has got two people trailing me, goodness and mercy. I don't deserve either one, but I thank the Lord he put them on my trail. So if you're having a hard day, old friend, look over your shoulder at who's on your trail. Goodness 
and mercy. Goodness because you don't deserve it and mercy because that is what you need. There are many others in the Bible who had something to say about God's goodness. Isaiah said it this way. Isaiah said, I will make mention of the loving kindness of the Lord and the praises of the Lord according to all that the Lord's bestowed upon us and the great goodness toward the house of Israel, which he's bestowed on them according to his mercy to the multitude of his loving kindnesses. God's got great goodness toward us, and I can't help but let my tongue do the talking about it. I'm not going to talk about my trouble. I'm not going to talk about the bad I see. Let me tell you what I'm thankful for. God's been good to me. Not just good, but great goodness. He's gone way beyond good. He's gone to great. And David said it this way. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. It's not to bring up something that's little that you can't see. It's to help you see something as it truly is. The problem is we think that God ought to be doing bigger things than what he's doing. God is great in great things, but he's very great in the little things. Why don't you take note of the little things? The prophet said, who's despised the day of small things? Don't despise the little. God's been greatly good in the little. Count up those little things. You'll find that his thoughts towards you is more than can be numbered, more than the sands of the sea, more than the hairs of your head, and the hairs of your head are all numbered, and the Lord will not let a one of them perish. He's keeping track of every one of those, and he's got that many mercies for you and then some. Not only Isaiah, but Jeremiah, he said, he said it this way, It'll be said to be to me a name of joy, of praise, and an honor before all the nations of the earth, which shall hear of all the good that I do unto them. And they shall fear and tremble for all the goodness. Jeremiah said. Jeremiah said it this way. The Lord said, I'll be good to my people. And other nations are going to hear of how good I've been and they're going to tremble in fear for my goodness because they'll not believe how good I'll be to such a sorry lot as that. Boy, I tell you, if you are saved by grace, oh, you ought to be thankful because God's been good to you. You didn't deserve not a lick of it, but God's been good to you. And others who see who you are and who know who you've been, they ought to see your life change and say, I can't believe there's a God that'd be that good to that kind. <laughs> That's the way it ought to be, ain't it, Brother John? It ought to be that way. Hosea said, Afterward shall the children of Israel return. They'll seek after the Lord their God, and they'll fear the Lord in those days and his goodness in the latter days. Even to when it looks like things are coming to an end, and it looks like the world's are closing out, and it's going to end the way God said. The Lord said, My people will seek my face, and they'll tremble in fear of my name in the latter day. It'll never go out of style for God's people to be thankful for the Lord being good. Zechariah said, 
How great is his goodness and how great is his beauty. Boy, Zechariah caught a good look at it. And Zechariah is one of those prophets that deal with the Messiah coming again the second time on the earth. You hear the rain? That's God being good to you again. Well, thank the Lord. He's so good. Oh, he's got an eye towards you. Zechariah said, boy, how great is his goodness. I want you to think about these things. How great is God? I can see the Lord being good to others, but to me, oh, I know me better than you. And it, it staggers me that God would care for me. One day I was doing a job downtown Memphis. We were on top of the Peabody Motel. I was looking down at all the people walking the street down there. This thought crossed my mind. Those people have no idea that I'm up here. They have no idea that I see them that I can pick them out of the crowd and I can tell that one's wearing this color and they got that color hair and I can see them plain as day, but they have no knowledge that I'm even here. And then the thought crossed my mind. The Lord spoke to me and said, that's the same with you. I'm, oh, the door's coming open now. Come on in, Lord. Being good. Uh, the Lord said, notice that. I said, the Lord's got his eye on you. Uh, and uh, the Lord reminded me on that day, I got my eye on you. And now the Lord, the, come on in. I mean, the doors are opening. Feel the pressure. Ain't that how the wind works? Hey, don't the Bible say it this way? When the wind blows, the trees clap their hands. Did you know that nature, when the Lord passes by, they do this? Thank you, Lord. Whether they realize it or not, that's one of the psalms. And the psalms also say, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Uh, Moses said, the Lord hath done gloriously. He's victorious. We ought to worship him. When the children of Israel were made to pass through the Red Sea on dry land, they praised the name of the Lord. Why? Because the Lord was good to them. He let them go through on dry ground. He washed out their enemies, and their enemies were floating in the Red Sea, and they thanked God that he had been so good to them. But what God destroyed their enemies with, God saved them with. You need to think about these things. Let me ask you something. Why are you living right now? It's because God's been good to you. Why were you created? Did you deserve to be created? Any of us? Did you have one up on the Lord and said, now I want to be born in America to this family and this location during this time frame. None of us did. None of us deserved anything. And yet God is the giver of life. If you think back to Adam, Adam was made from nothing. God made this world from nothing. And from nothing, 
He made this earth. And from the dust of the earth, God made man. So in case you get a little prideful and thinking you deserve something more than what you've got, I'll remind you, Adam was your daddy, dust was your granddaddy, and nothing was your great-granddaddy. You don't deserve nothing from the Lord. He's been kind to you and good to you. How could a man that wasn't yet created earn any rights from God? See, they're all God-given. God's been good to every one of us. Our forefathers understood that, and they wrote our Constitution with these words in the preamble of the Bill of Rights. They said that every man was created, uh, all men are created equal. And they were endued with certain inalienable rights by their creator. Our forefathers even believed there was a creator. And now our leaders would have us believe you came from monkeys. Baloney. Our nation was founded upon God's goodness to men and good to man uh, being able to have liberty to worship God as he saw fit to where there'd be a separation between church and state and what that means is not that the church shouldn't dictate the state but that the state can't overstep its bounds and say you're going to worship this God in this manner. Our forefathers said we'll not have that and that's why they left England and they paid for your freedom today that you enjoyed a night with blood, sweat, and tears. God's been good to you. Let me ask you something. If you didn't merit any goodness from the Lord, then God out of his goodness created you and gave you life. Then why have you not been destroyed yet being a sinner? Why has God let you live and not taken your life yet? Because you've sinned. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That includes me too. We've all sinned. The wages of sin are death. Uh, no man has ever sought after the Lord. There's none good. No, not one. There's none stirs himself up to take hold of God. There's none righteous. There's none, none that seeks after the Lord. None. We, we're all in the same basket. So why has God allowed you and me to live to this day? Because he's been good to you and to me. Time after time, he's been merciful and giving you chance Upon chance, I'm talking about compounding interest. God's been good to every one of us, and he has not snuffed out our lives yet. But even though many times we live after our own way and our own will, and we want it our way, and God's been kind and good to you and to me. He's been long-suffering. He's been patient with you. He has given you time and time again. And there have been times when your life should have been taken from you and snuffed out. You'd have been given what you deserve. But God's been good. Oh, that men would thank him for his goodness. We've got so much to say thank you for. Boy, so much. Boy, if I was to count up all the blessings in my life 
Boy, there'd be too many for me to count. It'll tender your heart if you start counting up the mercies you've been shown. The answer to all these things is because God's good. This kind, loving, long-suffering, compassionate God has spared your life time and again. He's loved you with an everlasting love. He's drawn you with cords of love and with kindness and with not just mercy, but tender mercies. Why would God in the flesh, the eternal Son of God, Jesus Christ, die for you? You hear God amen in that? I heard the thunder. <laughs> oh, can you get a hold of this tonight? Why would God in the flesh die for me and for you and pay a debt we could never pay? Not if we spent an eternity in hell. We'd never be sorry enough to pay off our debt to God. We'd never be able to pay for it. Not by our tears. Not by our saying, I'm sorry. Not by repenting. None of that would pay for it. Only the blood of God's own dear son can pay the debt. Why would he do that for me and for you? I'll tell you, it's because he's good and he loves you. That's how and why. Oh, Psalm 36 says, Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wing. Why would God forgive me when I've sinned and then forgive me after I've been born again? Why would he forgive me again and again and again? Have you ever found his goodness and his mercy to fall short for you? Have you ever found him unforgiving? Has he always taken you back in and said you're forgiven? Why would he do that? Why wouldn't he say, you've asked me for the same thing a hundred times now, I'm done. Why would God have no limit on his forgiveness for you? Because he's good. Because he loves you. That's why. Boy, he's good. Why does God answer your prayers? It's out of his goodness that he answers you. It's because he's good, he wants to hear from you. Nobody ever got anything from God on the grounds that they deserved it. Having fallen, man deserves only punishment. And death. So if God answers any prayer you've got, friend, it's because he's good. And out of his heart of goodness, he'll listen to you. The source of everything is that God is good. These are the only grounds that anybody's ever been saved. Nobody's been saved ever because they deserved it or they earned it. 
not even in the Old Testament. It's a common belief and thought that in the Old Testament, they had to keep the law and God would save them. But no man ever kept the law. The law was given so that you'd see what kind of sinner you are. Man has hung his hat on certain laws and he feels good about himself because he keeps some, but he don't keep them all. That was a problem even in the New Testament when the rich young ruler came to Jesus. He said, "What, my good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, what sayest the law? How readest thou? And he repeated to Jesus, thou uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength. And, uh, and uh, Jesus said, well, doesn't it say also not to commit adultery and uh, not to steal or kill and to love God with all your heart? And he said, all these I've kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? And Jesus said, yet one thing thou lackest. Go and sell all you have. Take up your cross and come follow me. Give it to the poor. Take up your cross and come follow me. And he went away sorrowful for he had much riches, which is a proof he didn't love his neighbor as himself, which is what all the law and the prophets hung on. He didn't keep the law. God gave the law so you and I would see we're sinners. We can't keep it. We fall far short. Even in the Old Testament, do you know how they were saved? grace. Abel, when he offered that blood sacrifice, how did God accept it? Why did he take Abel's and not Cain's sacrifice? Because Abel offered a blood sacrifice by grace. That's what God gave them the example of in the garden. God clothed Adam and Eve with coats of skin. He showed them an innocent substitute had to die for you. And by grace, God covered Adam and Eve. Abel offered that sacrifice and God took it. Cain offered the fruit of the ground and the works of his hands. He thought of himself as a mighty good man because he could work a hoe pretty good and he could keep the weeds out and it produced pretty good fruit. But he was proud of his works. He was proud of who he was and God rejected that. When all the world was going to hell in a handbasket, there was one man stood out above the rest and his name was Noah. And Noah found what? Grace in the eyes of the Lord. They were always saved by grace in the Old Testament. God's always saved one way. By grace. He was gracious when he gave the law to Israel to show them they couldn't keep it and that it would drive them toward the one who gave the law, that by grace he would take them in. But where man couldn't keep it, God in the flesh sending his son for sin to become sin for us, that our sin would be placed on him, the one who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Because we're not righteous. We need somebody to take our place. So God sent his only begotten son for me and you. Why would he do that? Because he's good. Luke tells us that he's kind to the unthankful. God's kind. Everybody's getting that rain that you're hearing. 
Everybody in, the, in our area is getting it. God's been kind to all, to every farmer that's in our land right now. Harvest is going on, isn't it, some? And they need that latter rain to put on the last little bit of crop. And God's being good to them, whether they're in church tonight thanking Him or not. God's being kind to every one of them in this area. How much more should we say thank you, Lord, because we understand what we got. God saves every man based upon grace because he's good. But I'll tell you from my standpoint, I'm not a good man. Uh, I'm Well, here's the way I look at it. If you was going to describe me, if you knew me the way I know me, you would have to use some pretty rough language to describe me. I don't consider myself a good man. But God's been good to me, and he's loved me. By nature, I came into the world not deserving anything from the Lord. I just come in sinful, as the psalmist said, speaking lies from my birth. If truth be known... If everybody knew your thought pattern and your thoughts, well, we'd all be ashamed, wouldn't we? If everybody knew what we really thought about and it was put on full display. And yet look who God has been kind to. As John Newton said when he wrote the song Amazing Grace, he said he saved a wretch like me. A wretch not like you, but like me. I know me. I know where I came from. I know what's in me. I know my struggles. God still knows me. And he loved me. And he's been good to me. The Bible teaches us that a day will come, according to Ephesians 2, when the Lord's going to put us all on display and it'll be to the praise of the glory of His grace. And here's why He'll do that. That in the ages to come, everybody will see God's goodness and His grace. And the angels will even have to sit back and wonder, why would God do that? Why would He be kind to those he wasn't kind to the third of angels that fell with Lucifer. They don't get a second chance. And the angels, according to Peter, they inquire. They want to look into it and they marvel. And they say, I don't understand this. And one day there'll be a song sung in heaven. And the Lamb is going to lead it. And all of heaven will be quiet as the redeemed sing, Worthy is the Lamb, for thou hast redeemed us by thy blood. He's been good to you and to me. <laughs> Do you understand how good God's been to you? When I first came here, I drank coffee with Jimmy Von Kennel. Many mornings, he's dead and gone now. Many, many, many mornings. I'd sit in his house and drink coffee. He'd gotten where he couldn't go get the coffee pot. 
I'd say, do you want some more? And he'd say yes, and he'd act like he'd go get it. But I'd go get the coffee pot, and I'd fill up his cup and mine too. And I'd say, how much you want? And he'd say, just a sniffle, however much that is. Just a little. Brother Jimmy had drank that last sniffle of coffee. And with tears in his eyes, he'd say, Brother Craig, I cannot understand and I cannot explain why God would be good to me. He said, I wasn't looking for him when he came by my way. And he'd tell me how God saved him, how he was underneath a load of care and underneath that burden of sin. And he one day couldn't take it anymore. And he was on a tractor in the field. And God made him stop the tractor. And he got off the tractor. And God saved him as he was pacing the field. He'd tell me that story over and again. And he'd say, I can't understand why God would do that for me. Boy, if he's really saved your soul, there's a tender spot for the goodness of God in your life. You can't understand why he would do that. I'll tell you, it's because he's good. Jesus was the kindest man to ever walk this earth. He told a story one day of a father that had two sons one of them was the elder brother and one was the prodigal son. And the elder brother couldn't understand why the prodigal would be let back in. But it was because he had a good father. And the good father would take that boy back in. You realize that the goodness of that daddy is what got that boy out of the hog pen. He remembered, my dad is good. He's better to his servants then these people are being to me. I think I'll go home and I'll go back to daddy's house. He'll be good to me. And it got him up to get him home. Is there enough goodness of God in your life to get you back home? <laughs> well, there ought to be. Count it up. The death of love shown to the sinner will always melt the heart. Who wrote the story? of the prodigal son God did who told that story the kindest man to ever live told that story the friend of sinners does he love you <laughs> listen to him listen to his words and find out if he really loves you or not why don't you come home You'll find that the Lord will be your keeper. He'll be your caretaker, your comforter. He'll be your helper. He'll be your refuge. He'll be your God. He'll be your Lord. He'll be your Savior, your Redeemer. Whatever you need, that's exactly what he'll be for you. Whatever you need. As Brother Tim used to say, I find whatever I need, that's just what he is. God's good, but I'll leave you with a warning. In Romans chapter 11, we're told not only of the goodness of God, but the severity of God. Not only is God good, but that ain't the only side to him. There's a severe side too. If you will not take his goodness, then you must give an account for that.
See, Romans chapter 2 and verse 4 says, Knowest thou not that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? That's what it ought to do. But do you despise the riches of his goodness? Well, he's been good to you. Do you take it as nothing? Is it nothing to you that you're alive today? Is it nothing to you that God's preserved your life, that he's given you the family you got and given you the church you got and given you the pastor you got or given you the preaching you got and the way that you've been raised and the things you've heard and the people God's let your paths cross with? Does that mean nothing to you? If it means nothing to you, oh, you will face the severe side of God. Would God do that to you? His chosen people, Israel, Romans 11 says that they counted his goodness as little to nothing. They lightly esteemed the rock of their salvation. And what did the Lord do? He let them be taken captive. And he took the, gra- the natural olive branch and he severed it and he grafted in the Gentiles so that you and me could get in. Why did he do that? Paul said, behold, the goodness and the severity of God. Goodness to you and I as Gentiles. Severity toward his people. Why would God treat his people that way? Because they took for granted his goodness. Nehemiah understood that. When Nehemiah was in a foreign land and he was praying and he was repenting over the sins of his forefathers, he made mention of God's goodness. In his prayer of repentance, he was counting up all of Israel's sins and here's what he said, for they have not served thee in their kingdom and in thy great goodness that thou gavest them and in the large and the fat land that you set before them neither turned they from their wicked ways. God had been good to Israel but their wicked ways they wouldn't turn from. They were going, they were taking God's goodness for granted. I deserve to be here. I can live however I want to. I'll do what I want. And God said, that's the end of that. I'm not going to allow that anymore. And there comes a period and a time when the Lord says, if you want it that way, I've given you warning after warning. Time and again, I've been good to you. But I'm I'm not going to snuff out your life completely. But I'm going to let you go to a place you never thought you'd go. There's a severe side. If you're not going to heed God's goodness. His goodness ought to be leading you somewhere. It ought to be leading you down the pathway of tenderness and love toward the Lord and thankfulness. And it ought to lead you to a place of absolute gratitude. Have you been saved so long that you take for granted that this is just the way it ought to be? It ought not ever be our attitude as God's people. We don't deserve anything from him. He's been good to you and me. Oh, thank him for his goodness. You ought to bless his name that he's been good to you. And I'll leave you with this thought. Paul said to the Thessalonians, he said, said, also we pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of this calling 
and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness towards you. I would, this is my prayer for you, for my home and my family, for the church where God's placed me, that God would count us worthy of the calling he's called you to. He's called you unto holiness and we're to worship him in the beauty of his holiness. And because God is holy, which means separate, then we ought to live different. He's been good to us. We ought not blend in with the world. We ought not act like them. He's been extra kind to us. And we ought not make it to a place where we think we can get away with it. Oh, that we would walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we've been called. And that God would count us all worthy of the calling he's placed on our lives and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness. God's been good to you on purpose. And I would that God would fulfill the good pleasure of his will and that goodness, what he has for you and for me, that he'd fulfill it completely, that we'd not live below our means. You know what we ought to be doing tonight? Thanking the Lord that he's been so kind and good to people like us. God is good. Don't forget.